Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Ash. It's great to see you all this morning. Um, firstly, can I just... There are very few times that I put shorts on on a Sunday, but it felt like this was an appropriate day to do that. So apologies if anyone's upset by my legs. Um, I thought I'd start just by sharing um, a little story from yesterday. So yesterday, a bunch of team went out to Staines on the streets, and I had this message from Steve just this morning. Um, and they, um, they had a great time just sharing faith with people on the streets um, and seeing people um, saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, which is amazing. So there were two 16-year-olds. They heard the good news of the gospel for the very first time and opened their hearts to Jesus in that moment, um, which is just amazing, isn't it? Um, another youth they got chatting to um, said he'd grown up as a Christian, um, but he'd never received the Holy Spirit. So the team then prayed for him. He received the Holy Spirit for the first time on the streets yesterday in Stain. So, so good. And we, we love that. And so if you're like, oh, man, I, I, I want to grow in this kind of area. I want to be more brave in sharing my faith, my faith even. I just encourage you, we'll, we'll do more of these events. We'd love to kind of, you know, invite you to be a part of that. It's just, it's just great. And Steve Barkley is just such a great trainer and encourager. He just, yeah, so good. So we'd love to invite you to be a part of that the next time we do that. So... Um, has anyone been watching Wimbledon this week, these last couple of weeks? A few people. Um, I personally, I, I love the quirks of Wimbledon, yeah? So the green grassy courts, which look like nothing else you see any other tennis match around the world. You've got the strawberries and cream, which are like, I don't know, you practically have to remortgage your house to be able to buy them at Wimbledon, I think. The, the all-white outfits, sorry to people who work for Wimbledon in the congregation right now. Um, the all-white outfits and the rules. I mean, tennis has so many rules, doesn't it? You know, you've got in, out, first serve, second serve, let, net, code violations, racket abuse. And don't get me started on the point system. Who came up with the point system for tennis? 15, 30, 40, love juice. I mean... There was clearly no mathematician in the room when they came up with that, was there? Now, I just want to compare the, the, you know, the amount of rules we get with, with tennis with what I'm going to put up behind me now. So we've got a little video to play. Um, hopefully, all being well in black and white, we have Shrove Tide football. The Duke of Rutland throws up the ball for the start of the annual Ashbourne Shrove Tide football game. And what a game it is. The course is all through Ashbourne and the surrounding country the teams, anyone who cares to take part. If you live north of the centre of the town, you play for the upwards, and if you live south of the centre, for the downwards. The goals are two mills, about four miles apart, and to get there, you can use any means you like, including all-in wrestling and other gentlemanly behaviour. And there are no referees, linesmen or managers looking for big transfer fees. That's a goal. This is the game for the football pool promoters. At least they do know who's playing who more than a day beforehand. There we go. So that is Shrove Tide football. Um, the only similarity to normal football is there are two goals, um, and there are, there are ball, uh, there's one ball and two goals, sorry. But those goals are three miles apart with a river in between. And they play for two whole days. So that's each Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday each year. And the only rules in the game are to keep the ball out of the churchyards and the cemetery. You can't hide the ball in a bag and the ball can't be moved in a car. Otherwise, anything goes. Pretty much anything, as long as it's, as that video said, gentlemanly behavior, whatever that means. Um, so anything goes in this game. 
And, you know, I think these two extremes, you've got the rules of Wimbledon, you've got the freedom of Shrove-tied football, can bear a lot of similarity to how we can approach life. Perhaps a a religious, rule-bound life can be something that's just bound by laws. Thou shalt not do this or that. Lives lived by duty and obligation. Whereas the world, perhaps, is a bit more like Shrove Tuesday, telling us to do whatever we like, whenever we like, however and with whomever we please. This morning, we're going to be continuing our series on walking with Jesus. And I believe that Jesus offers a beautiful alternative to those two extremes, a life of real freedom that comes from a place of relationship. So for those of you who've said yes to Jesus, we have accepted an invitation into a life of freedom. And if you haven't yet said yes to Jesus, there's an invitation to you too, to say yes to walking with him and into that life of real freedom. So can we open up our Bibles to the book of Mark this morning? We're going to read from Mark chapter 2, just a few verses Um, starting from verse 23. So let me just set the scene. Jesus and his disciples are walking along, and it's the Sabbath. And as they walk along, as you do, you get hungry. So they're getting hungry, and this is what happens. So one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. I'm going to leave that there. So why do we think that what Jesus and his disciples were doing was so controversial? So over 3,000 years ago, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. You might be familiar with some of those. Laws really to help the people of Israel to live well. We've still got some confetti coming down uh, from Celebration Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Just ignore that. Um, We'll get Dave to clean it up later. Um, laws to help the people of Israel to live well, both individually on their own, but also as part of a community. So love God, love your neighbor, don't commit murder. But there were other rules too, to ensure that the whole of the community were looked after. Rules to care for the poor and the needy, so they were always looked out for. Now often I think we can think of rules as ways to stop us from enjoying ourselves. But the laws that God gave Moses all those years ago were designed to give life to the whole community. Rhythms of life as such for all to do well, not just the rich and the powerful. A society where the hungry were fed, the widows and orphans were cared for, and everyone could experience the fullness and abundance of life. But the Pharisees took this to a whole new level. They started introducing law after law to make them look good, and to point the finger at anyone else um, who couldn't keep these laws. And it kept everyone bound by duty and obligation. No one, not even Jesus' disciples, could keep all these man-made rules. So in this case, the Pharisees have completely misinterpreted the original law. So if we jump back to Moses' time, 
God's people have been told to keep the corners of their fields unharvested so that the poor and the traveler could come and take what they need so that no one would ever go hungry. And there was another law that stated that no one could harvest a field on the Sabbath. In other words, no one could work on the Sabbath. But here a few of Jesus' disciples are picking ears of corn as they're traveling through those fields because they are hungry. It's not really harvesting a field, is it? And yet the Pharisees point their finger at Jesus and his followers. You know, in some ways, I feel slightly sorry for the Pharisees. Maybe that's a bit controversial, but I mean, it must be so hard to live and be bound by those kind of roles. It can't be, you can't, they're not going to be the life and soul of a party, are they? You don't invite them to have a bit of fun with with you. You see, when you're constantly trying to keep up appearances in every scenario and situation you find yourself in, maybe we can relate to some of that this morning. Perhaps you're sat here today and you're someone who is a good Christian. You, you keep all the rules. You keep the Ten Commandments. Maybe you, you raise your hands at the right time in worship. You're part of a small group. You're on a team. All these different things. Now, all those things are really good. But when we're bound by them, when we strive to do things out of duty rather than from a place of love, things start to go wrong. Now, compare that with the other end of the spectrum, Shrove-tied football, a game where anything goes. You can kick, punch, wade through water, rugby tackle your way to a goal. And I think this bears a lot of relation to the world we live in. We live in a world where anything goes. We're encouraged to do what we want, when we want, and how we want, to whom we want, and to be whoever we want to be. Perhaps, you know, maybe you don't see much wrong with that. But if we're honest, we see so much brokenness in the world around us, don't we? People are lonely and hurting. Financial systems are crashing. There's a cost of living crisis. Depression and anxiety levels have gone through the roof. Relationships are breaking down. Children are lacking father figures in their lives. And people are struggling to make sense of who they've been made to be. And I think often we don't know even what is good for us. You see, when we follow our wants, we can end up making some really bad choices. You might have heard that old bit of advice, don't go shopping when you're hungry. Have you ever done that? Have you seen the kind of stuff you might end up in your trolley? I've done that in the past. It's the rubbish that you come back with. It's the same for life, I think, in our relationships, in what we spend our money on, into who we spend time with. Even like, you know, you get a a grumpy message come through, whether on email or text or something. And sometimes we might respond to that immediately and send an angry message back because we, we do that in that moment rather than waiting until we have an opportunity to calm down. You see, following our wants and, 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 and doing things in the moment is often a really bad idea. And it seems to me that we can fall easily into one of those two traps. Either we can live by duty, like the Pharisees. I must do this, I must do that. I must never do anything wrong. And it's often characterized by this duty and striving and by obligation. Or the alternative where we do anything we please, where anything goes. We enter into an intimate relationship because we deserve it. We buy this because we want it. We come along to church when we feel like it, so long as nothing better comes up that morning. So how might we recognize in our own lives that perhaps we're stuck in either of these two extremes? 
I'm just going to share four things. This is an exhaustive list, but I hope it's helpful. And then I'll share something a little bit more hopeful afterwards. So I think the first thing, the way we can recognize that we're stuck, is that we can become very judgmental of others. And I think it's really easy to get into this trap. We can judge other people by their actions, whereas we judge ourselves by what we intended to do. Have you ever caught yourself judging a parent for um, shouting at a child, perhaps? Have you judged a driver in a car that's just overtaken you? Perhaps that parent grew up in a broken family. Perhaps they have no one to lean on for advice and wisdom in that moment. Maybe that driver is rushing to be at the deathbed of a loved one. You see, we never know what's going on beneath the surface in anyone's life. So rather than judge others, let's be kind and think the best of one another. The second thing I want to point out is that sometimes our emotions can take over. Yes, there are circumstances and personality types that mean we may be more prone in individual moments or through life even to strong expressions of our emotions. But perhaps you've noticed in your own life that you get, you're getting angrier when someone cuts you up at the roundabout. They're in the wrong lane. Don't they know how to drive this? Maybe you find yourself crying more or getting increasingly frustrated by a situation. Now, I'm not suggesting we freeze up and stop expressing ourselves, but we need to be unaware of unhealthy emotions that take us over and stopping us living life to the full. The third thing I want to pull out is that we we can be drawn to unhealthy habits and relationships. You know, when we're stuck, we can often find ourselves drawn to people and practices that suck the life out of us. Often from a place of duty, we can be drawn to people that reinforce our need to do the right thing, but often for the wrong reasons. I don't know if you remember the story of Mary and Martha in the Gospels. When Jesus comes to visit, Martha is rushing around, cleaning, cooking, getting everything ready, whereas Mary is just simply sat at Jesus' feet. And Martha becomes quite resentful, doesn't she? Now, many of us, me included, find it really hard just to sit at Jesus' feet. You know, there's a time, though, for both of those things. But many of us need to free ourselves from duty and obligation in order that we can sit at the feet of Jesus. Now contrast that with the other extreme. If we live from a place that is completely free from duty, where we do as we choose, we can find ourselves drawn to people that encourage us to make unhealthy decisions and choices. You know, someone still needed to make sure there was food and hospitality in that story of Mary and Martha. And if Martha hadn't done anything, then there wouldn't have been anything going, any food or anything for everyone to eat. So we make right choices in the right moments. And the final warning I want to pull out is to avoid, you know, often we can find ourselves avoiding healthy habits and relationships. In complete contrast to what I just said, we can find ourselves avoiding the kind of relationships and practices that actually draw us closer to the feet of Jesus. Out of duty, we find ourselves listening to voices of people who do us harm in the long run, telling us to do things out of duty or because of what we're meant to do. And by contrast, 
out of extreme freedom, we can find ourselves avoiding being around the very people who love us and want the best for us. We ignore the wise voices in our lives and listen to those who tell us to do as we please, when and how we want. So those are four warnings of living a life bound by, either bound by duty or with a lack of, of, of it. But how can we experience more freedom in our life? That's what we're particularly pressing into today. And the simple answer is, it's the, the Sunday school answer, it's Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that he didn't come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill the law. And then we read these amazing verses um, in, in the book of Luke here. So, he's, um, so Jesus goes back to his hometown synagogue just after he's baptized. Um, he's passed the scriptures and he reads these famous verses from the prophet Isaiah. They'd have all known these words as he read them. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And it goes on. You see, Jesus invites each one of us into a life of freedom. So how can we experience more of that freedom? So firstly, walking with Jesus. The only way that we can get free from the strongholds and chains in our life is through Jesus himself. We can try to rely on ourselves and do things in our own strength, but Jesus says, I will set you free. Jesus is the only one who can do that. And the, and, and the verses um, in Scripture just really point to that kind of idea of a master releasing a slave. In other words, only the master has the power to do that. So in John 8, Jesus says, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if we know Jesus, we know truth. And it's the truth, his truth that will set us free. Freedom brings life free from that obligation and the duty. But it's not a life of completing, let, completely letting go. It's not a life full of control, bound by rules, or even a life of what the Bible calls sin, where anything goes. In the world, we see a distortion. We're encouraged to like, make up our own truth, but we can only know truth by knowing Jesus. See, whilst we can't establish or control truth, we can be held by that truth. Jesus says, know me and I will set you free. That's an incredible promise. When we live life with him and for him, when we imitate him, that is freedom. Free to be the people that God has made us to be. Each of us made uniquely in the image of God. So wonder what limits us. What is the thing that is stopping us from being all that we can be made to be? The second thing I want to pull out is that we, can, we need to develop healthy rhythms. We need to cultivate time, like the disciples, to walk with Jesus day by day. Not just each Sunday, but as we go through our week in worship. Take time to put him first and to enter into his presence. If you play an instrument, why don't you use it to worship? If you don't, stick worship music on at home, in the car, on your headphones. Take time to enter into the presence of God day by day. Engage with the Bible. Start your day in God's word. 
There's so many ways to engage with that, whether on your phone, on paper Bible, you can listen to it. Just start somewhere. Maybe start with a gospel. Maybe you've done Bible in a year. That's really helpful thing to do. There's also an app called Lectio 360. I'd love to point you towards some of these. And there's a good page on our website, riversidevineyard.com slash resources. So if you just go to the resources page, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. But I want to encourage you, what step can you take today? Perhaps you only ever read the Bible when you're here on a Sunday. Why not try to read a bit during the week? If you read your Bible every few days, why not start to read your Bible each day, maybe through one of those apps, or maybe there's a plan that you'd like to go through. Bible in one year is great. Lectio 365 is brilliant. And then if you read your Bible daily, why not spend more time in studying in journaling, in in grasping what's going on here and really spending time in the scriptures. So I want to encourage us all to take a step today to read the Bible more and pray more. Start each day by inviting God into our day. Talk to him. Tell him what's going on. Thank him for a new day, for the breath in your lungs, a roof over your head. Invite him into whatever you are doing, work, rest or play. And ask for opportunities to share his love with others. You see, being with Jesus, being in his presence is the most important thing that we do. And it's the most rewarding thing we'll ever do in our lives. And finally, if we want to experience more freedom in our life, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. The passage we're looking at today focuses in on this story from the day of the Sabbath. But in fact, Jesus at the end of those verses says, he, the son of man, is the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he is above the law. It's so easy to neglect, but Sabbath and indeed rest are incredibly important for us. It's important that we learn how to rest well. And when we rest well, we become more spiritually alive. We get to recharge ourselves emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And we need to do that in ways that help us, maybe switching off our phones, sticking out of office messages on, prioritizing quality time with with Jesus and with those that we love. So I just want to encourage us in that as well. But when we do all of this, when we slow down, when we create good rhythms, it helps us to acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of our lives. We're saying that we're laying everything down for him. We're saying that we're not bound by duty or by work or by the world. We live in the freedom that only Jesus can bring and that Jesus has made possible for each one of us. We don't have to be bound by pharisaical practices that tell us what we should do and shouldn't do. We're not bound by what the world tells us either. Instead, we fully lay everything down for the one who gave everything up for us. As we land, I just want to give us the opportunity to give our yes to Jesus. And I think for each one of us, whether we've been following him for decades or whether we're still trying to work this out, there's an invitation for each one of us to say yes to him, to say yes and into his life, giving freedom that he offers each one of us. Just want to encourage you, just where you are, just to close your eyes, maybe just bow your head. Do anything that you can just to kind of switch off from what's around you. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'd love us all just to kind of make it our own. So you may just want to pray this in your heart with me. 
Jesus, I thank you that you gave up everything for me. I'm sorry for all the times that I've, I've got it wrong. I choose today to turn my back on a life bound by duty. I choose today to turn my back on a life where I do as I please. Instead, I choose to lay it down, lay it all down for you. Would you come and fill my life? Jesus, I want to walk with you today and every day. Just come into, into my heart right now. Come and be with me. Come and walk with me. Amen.